Welcome back to Body Talk with Bex. This week, I have the privilege of speaking with Isabella Prescott. She was also born with bladder extrophy and luckily had an uncle who was actually a pediatric urologist. (laughs) So I just want to jump right in because this interview was so wonderful. easiest to start at the beginning work yeah work yeah until sure. now yeah do you know if your parents knew if you were going to have bladder extrophy from what I've been told they did not know at all I know that's like different for a lot of extra patients I have friends that are you know younger older than me that their parents knew or they didn't know my parents did not know it's actually funny my mom when the day she had me or the day before she had me she was like I think I'm gonna have a baby today. So she like didn't go to work and then like drove herself to the hospital and then had me, which is like, I guess kind of like a weird <laughs> omen. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was actually, I was actually born in an emergency C-section because my mom had like some complications during pregnancy. She had a heart condition. So like she was rushed, she was in the hospital and then they were like, we need to do a C-section because your heart rate's going up, the baby's heart rate's going down. We just need to do this. And I'm honestly kind of thankful that happened because- who knows what the outcome would have been if, you know, we, they've waited or, you know, it would have been a regular birth. So I think that was like kind of interesting the way that yeah, happened. I mean, it's um, kind of yeah. like intuitive of your mom. No, it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like you said, kind of lucky that she did and they caught something and mm-hmm. what if she hadn't gone to the hospital, you know, and had a problem at home, like it yeah. would have been a whole different situation. I know. I don't even, I don't even think about that. I'm like, you know, it just happened for a reason, yeah. whatever that was. A good reason. <laughs> good things came out yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So do you know kind of what happened after you were born? Like, were you taken into surgery right away? Like I was, I think only two hours old before I had my first surgery or I know some people, oh, wow. it's like a couple of days, a couple of weeks. Like, do you know kind of what they- Um, Yeah. So I was born in Portland, Oregon. That's where my parents were living at the time. That's where my dad was going to, to school. So I was born there. And then they didn't exactly know what blood actually was. The nurses were kind of like, it's like something, <laughs> some kind of birth defect. Like this isn't normal, obviously. <laughs> um, your blood's on the outside of your body. But they knew that they needed to send me to Seattle Children's, which luckily, you know, was fairly close yeah. to Portland. You know, it's only a couple hours. So I was rushed there. And I had my first, clo- my, my initial closer okay. at 10 days old. So they waited a good amount of time. I don't know what they did between that, but I was rushed there, had my closure. I think they did some other reconstruction like vaginally and then like everything like that. And I didn't actually do my hip surgery. They like just tried to like mold them just because I was like a really small baby. And they were like, we can just like kind of mold your hips just because, you know, baby's bones are moldable. And they're like, that'll work. But then after that, after I had my surgery, my parents moved to California and then they, we were there for like two months. And then I don't exactly know how it happened, but just like eventually I got like a super bad infection and my whole incision just opened up and dehissed. Everything oh came out again. And I think my mom was probably just 
so scared. And my, my dad too. Um, my mom was like, you know, there's something wrong. Yeah, crazy. So then I was life lighted in a, in a helicopter back to Seattle where they closed it up again, fixed everything. And then that time they did cut my hips, did an osteotomy. And I was in a spike cast for like wow. three months. Um, so like kind of back and forth, but it all worked yeah. out in the end. <laughs> That's interesting that it came out again, but like so far after the surgery. Because mm-hmm. I, the, yeah, yeah, the I other two know. stories I've heard, it's it was like a week or two later that it came out. It wasn't like months down the line. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why that happened. It's just like a freak thing, I guess. But it was, and I think I've mentioned this, but Dr. Grady and Dr. Mitchell, which I know Kylie saw them, they did my procedures. They're awesome. They did both of my surgeries, my initial one and then the one following. Yeah. So you were in good hands going there right away. Yeah. Dr. Yeah. Mitchell was my doctor. I'm so too, grateful so. that I was close. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. Where I was were you born, born in California. We didn't find him until I was like three or four years old, but really glad we found him. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's the best. And I've heard so many great stories, him and then Dr. Gearhart, other yeah. side of the country. So the yeah. two specialists. So did you continue seeing Dr. Mitchell as you were growing up? Like, did you fly back to see him every so often or? Actually, I didn't. That was the only, he only did my first two surgeries after that like whole Seattle thing happened where I was lifelighted there. And then they did the second surgery. My parents decided that, Hey, we just need to be closer to family in case something happens. Like we just need support. So at that time, my grandparents, my dad's parents were living in Salt Lake City, Utah. And so we moved there and then that's where I spent most of my life. That's where I grew up. So we moved there. And then actually my, let's see, my great uncle is actually a pediatric urologist (laughs) here in Utah, which is kind of crazy to think about. So he took care of me for like 10 years. He did my third surgery and I just kept seeing him because it was, you know, like a 10 minute drive. Um, And he was my uncle. So it was like super great to have him in the family. So that's pretty cool. That's very lucky. Yeah. I, I tell people that and they're like, wait, what? And I'm like, yeah, it's crazy coincidence that he decided to go into urology and that I was born with a urologic yeah. condition. And it was meant to be. So That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, why don't you just take us chronologically through, through everything, I guess, you know, all the different surgeries you've had. Yeah. I don't know if you've had any osteos or anything like that. Yeah. So after we moved to Salt Lake, I was, I was seeing my uncle And then pretty like soon after, I think just after that, like second surgery, I just kept getting a lot of infections. Like the first three years of my life, I was on antibiotics the whole time, getting really bad kidney and bladder infections, which was really hard. I know it's very common with extra patients to get a lot of infections, especially when you're young. So the team here in Utah decided to re-implant my ureters in my bladder. So they moved them higher up in my bladder just so the reflux wouldn't be as bad. Like I still have reflux, but it's just a lot less than what it was. So that was my third surgery. Let's see. That was in 2006, done by my uncle. Then I was pretty much infection-free for like, let's see, I was three. And then for like 12 years, didn't have any infections or any other problems, which is kind of (laughs) crazy. I don't know how that happened. So I was just wearing like pull-ups and pads for that, those 12 years. And during that time we moved to Texas when I was 10. So I had seven years in Salt Lake and then a couple years in Texas, no problems. And then 
when I got like to be about like 15 or 16, I started to get some UTIs, which was like common. I was like, you know what? It's fine. It happens. And then I also had like an unrelated surgery when I was, I think I was 15 in 2019. I broke in my leg and I had to have it like repaired and like separate from BE, but that was like my most recent surgery, non-BE related. And then after that, I think like right before COVID, I remember I, we went on a, like a family trip for Christmas. Like we always do. We go to Southern Utah and we stay in a cabin and just hang out. And then I had like kind of been thinking about getting the metrophenac procedure to become dry. I'd been thinking about it like for like many years. I was like, oh, do I do it? Do I not do it? You know, the trade-offs. And I kind of just decided at that point, I was like, you know what? I just want to be dry. I'm going to be, you know, like a junior in high school, I think. So I kind of just want it like before college and just, I wanted it to happen. And I was super active too. So it was kind of like, this would be better, you know, me playing sports and hiking and all that. So I made the decision to schedule surgery for the summer of 2020. I think it was supposed to be in like July of 2020. That didn't happen, obviously, because <laughs> of COVID. So my surgery was actually moved to November of 2020, which I'm still lucky that I like got to go in and do that because it was an elective procedure. They were only allowing, you know, mandatory ones at that time. slide in here because nobody <laughs> else can see, but that, what, what did... What did you call it? Elective surgery is quote unquote. Yeah. 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 Elective surgery, whatever. But yeah, I was allowed to go in and do that in November. So I did that during COVID crazy times. Had my metrophenol procedure, had a bladder augmentation and my bladder neck closed off as well. So there's like no leakage at all because my bladder was so small. They said like, even if we did an augment and did a metrophenol, you would still leak because you don't have like any bladder muscle to hold it. So I did that. And then I think it was like maybe a week after that, like recovery was going okay. And then my stomach like started to really distend and get really big. And then I like had a bunch of MRIs done and and CAT scans, everything. And they figured out my bowel had twisted and kinked on itself. So like my stomach was going really big and I couldn't like pass gas and everything was just kind of coming apart inside of me. (laughs) So I can't remember how many, it was like such a blur. It was a couple days after that. They took me back in to do another surgery. I think the initial surgery was like eight hour surgery, which, you know, pretty common for that procedure. They took me back again. They had to like redo everything. And they originally had my stoma placed on my belly button. And this time they put it lower and down to the side, just because like that wasn't, there's so much scar tissue that wasn't usable. So they moved it. And then after that, the recovery was still long. I was in the hospital for like 30 days, about a month. Um, So from like end of November to end of December, I came home Christmas Eve, actually. Just in time. (laughs) I know, right? I was like, whew. But it was, I was like, spent Christmas in a hotel room. But yeah, that was my most recent surgery. And then after that, I've been great. I mean, that was 2020 and it's 2022. So it's been almost two years since that, which is crazy to think about. That's insane. (laughs) Was the the twisted bowels in relation to having that surgery? Yeah, yeah. I think it was because, like, they took some of my intestine to make my okay. bladder augmented. Um, so they had to, like, mess with my intestines initially. And I think they were just, like, thinking, like, oh, just because we messed with them, you know, they can be kind of fussy and take a long time for them to recover. But it was actually, like, an issue going on that went along with that wow. surgery. So. That's crazy. And what is it like now yeah. having a metrophenol? I love it. I mean, I think I've adjusted really well. 
it took a while for me to like, since I was in the hospital for so long, it took me a long time to like get my strength back and like gain weight. But like, let's see, surgery. So surgery was in end of November, came home end of December. And I was, I did like a week long hiking backpacking trip in like March of the next of 2021. So within like three months, four months, I was like completely back to normal, yeah, which is awesome. And that was like my goal. And I felt so great. And I still, I love it. It's like weird to imagine, like, there's like two parts of my life, like wearing pads and pull-ups and then now being dry. It's like a whole different, not that much different, but it feels just like a, a nice yeah. transition, a natural it transition. It is a difference. It definitely is a difference. Yeah, yeah. for sure. It makes a, a big change. What, what was it like at the hospitals and like having surgery and recovering from surgery during lockdown, during quarantining? Yeah, it was really weird. My mom was with me the whole time and then my dad would come and visit and we couldn't have any other visitors. And then whenever someone had to come in or like I had to go out to like walk around, everybody was wearing masks, obviously. And it was during the winter time too. So it was like super cold and snowing outside because I did my surgery here in Salt Lake. That's where my doctors are now. I've transitioned my care back to Salt Lake after moving to Texas. So I had it here. It was just super weird. It was like no other experience. Like I just can't like explain it to anybody else. Like watching TV, like watching the news, like COVID news in the hotel, in like the hotel room and in the hospital while you're recovering. And then everybody else around you is like going through like COVID cases and like just getting vaccines in. It was a wild time. Were your parents able to visit you together? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So my mom was there like pretty much the whole time. And then my dad flew in and then they were both there. And then my dad flew back home. And then my, and then me and my mom flew home to Texas and like right gotcha. after New Year's. So they were there at the same time for a little bit. Like when we were, we had like Christmas together, which was yeah. nice. I was just curious because some hospitals were only allowing like one visitor, not allowing two. So mm-hmm. yeah, they were, it's a, it was a children's hospital. So I think they're more like it's gotcha. fine and like, when my cousins got to come visit me, like they wheeled me down to like the parking lot and we got to like hang out in the parking lot, like distanced. So that was That's cool. really nice to hear that they were making an effort. Well, cool. Yeah. Can you tell us how all of this affected like growing up? Like did, you know, how mm-hmm. was it going to school and did you have hobbies and, you know, did your friends know? Yeah, I honestly, I felt like a pretty normal kid just because I didn't like have that many surgeries in those like developmental years, like those 12 years with infection free, no surgeries. I went to private school my whole life. I went to super small schools, Montessori school. And my mom was usually like teaching there or like usually always there. My parents were always at school. (laughs) And I feel like everybody there was really accepting and like kind. And I never, I was never like bullied or harassed, which I know happens to a lot of people with medical conditions. So I feel fortunate that never happened to me. And I just felt like pretty normal. I was really into sports when I started middle school. So I played basketball. I played flag football. I played soccer. I danced for a long time. I did karate. I love hiking and being outside. And I've always just been like an outside kid. I would love to like climb trees and like just get dirty. (laughs) So I, I felt pretty normal and I had a good amount of friends. I'd like, I'm always that person that like, I have like one or two really close friends and they, everybody else just kind of like acquaintances or like I'm friendly with them and I would usually tell those really close friends but everybody else I was just kind of like you don't need to know and if you do know whatever like 
I don't know. I never really felt like people were judging me. Maybe in the middle school, I feel like everyone feels that way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, in high school too, (laughs) but I was just kind of like brush it off and be like, you know what, if you think me carrying this bag with full of like pads to the bathroom is weird, like that's your problem, like whatever. And before that, I was like, wasn't really aware. I was like, oh, well, yeah, I'm different because I wear pads and pull-ups, but like, you know, everybody, everybody's different. And I think that was just like going to school in a really supportive environment that everybody was just like, you know what, it's okay. Everyone's different we're all, we all have problems. And that was, and that was nice also in high school too. Like once you get to high school, no one really cares because everyone's dealing with their own stuff. Um, especially towards like later high school, a lot of my friends knew because my school was so small. Everyone's like, they didn't know exactly what I had, but they knew I had some kind of medical thing and they like never like talked to me about it. and never really like said anything, which that's was good. nice. Yeah. That's really yeah. good. So how did, getting them in Trafnoff changed things? Like, are you on a schedule? Yeah. So when I first got the surgery, I was on cathing every two hours. And then I went to four hours because my bladder like grown. Cause like, once you get the surgery, your bladder like consistently like expands for a couple months. So it gets bigger. And now I'm on like four hours, but it's usually just whenever I need to just on an as needed basis, which is you nice. You can feel when you need to go. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I have like, it's like most of my own bladder and then some augmentation to some people it's like completely bowel or it's like a neo bladder. So they don't feel anything, but yeah, I can feel when I get full and like, I realize like when I'm like about to go to sleep, if like, I don't cath right before I go to sleep, I'm like, I'm going to be up like tossing and turning. Cause I like have some kind of urine in my bladder, which is so funny, but yeah, I can definitely tell, but I, I love having a metrophenop. It's just like, it's like so freeing, even though like you like know you have to have like a catheter on you at all times or like be aware of the time because you like, can't be any other way other than catheter. <laughs> but I feel like it's like opened up some I can like feel more confident about like going camping or like sleeping over at somebody's house or just like kind of I don't have to be like I don't have to like plan as much, even though you still have to bring supplies. Like I feel like I don't I don't have to like, oh, like I have to wear this and this. Or, oh, I didn't bring an extra pair of shorts or, you know, I just feel more comfortable with those kinds of things, yeah. which is nice. And so you were allowed, I assume, to like go on sleepovers and things like that, as long as you were prepared and had everything that you needed. Yeah, yeah. I usually like didn't. I was just like, I kind of am a homebody and I like to be at home and I'm an only child. So I'm like really close to my parents. So I never really like did sleepovers as a kid. I did like sometimes when I was younger. But like, I feel like now it's just like, if I had had this surgery a lot earlier, I feel like it maybe would have been easier and maybe I would have done more of those things. But, you know, I think I chose it at the right yeah. time. And so your parents let you kind of choose when you wanted to do the Mitrofenoff surgery. Was that their idea to let yeah. you decide on that if you wanted it? Or was it just not really something that was talked about? Yeah, so my parents definitely like let me lead the way and like let me tell them what I wanted and when I wanted it I think that came from like us going to the best camp out that Kylie's mom started and just like seeing a lot of other kids and like their parents deciding for them at a very young age to do that surgery my parents were kind of like oh and they're kind of like those people too they're just kind of like we're just gonna let you decide so they would like talk about it like bring it up like every year ish maybe and they like knew it. They're like, you know what? You can become dry when you want to. You know, this is what 
it would entail like they, I don't think they knew exactly what the procedure was, but they knew like it could be a possibility, you know, if other things like urostomy or like injections, like stuff like that, they knew it was a possibility. And so they always like brought that to me. They're like, whenever you're ready, just let us know, you know, we can go to your doctor, we can talk about it. And I'd had like some appointments with my doctor, like kind of explaining those options, but I was never interested until I was 17, 16. So yeah, I've just kind of like made the decision on my own, which I'm grateful for. I think my parents did the right thing with like letting me make that decision. But I think it's different for everybody. I mean, people make those decisions when they're 11 or 12 or, you know, when they're 20 or five, you know. Whatever. So it sounds so. like you were pretty, well, it sounds like your parents were pretty open to talking about things with you and like discussing mm-hmm. what you had and <laughs> the restrictions around yeah. that or or the lack of restrictions, I guess just as long as you're prepared for every, for everything. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, they were just kind of let me do whatever they were like, you know what, as long as you're taking care of yourself, like mentally and physically, like do whatever you want. They were always like, you know, as long as you're drinking a lot of water, as long as you have your supplies with you, as long as you're like keeping your hands clean and like doing that, like they were like, you know, just do whatever, (laughs) which is cool. And they're still like that. I mean, they, less obviously hands-on now because I'm 19 and in college. So they don't worry about me as much, but my parents probably worried about me a lot when I was, you know, younger and having a medical condition. Yeah. yeah. And your friends have always been, you're like your close friends that know about your BE. They've always been Mm -hmm. supportive and there for you if you needed them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I usually don't tell them like the full story because like who wants to hear that? (laughs) but they've always been super supportive and just like, yeah, whatever you need, they always help me. And they're always just like, you know, they wait for me if I have to go to the bathroom. And, you know, I think we all have problems, especially when I got to high school is like when I like made like really, really close friends that are still my friends now, even though we're all in college, we just became really close and they were always supportive of me. But I think I really made a better connection with people like that have BE and like other conditions at like best camp out and at youth rally too. Um, just because like you can feel like you can talk with those people more and like they just get it immediately. You don't have to like explain anything or like feel bad for, you know, missing something. But yeah, my friends were always, always That's supportive. Good. And so with school yeah. with like having to change every so often, like throughout the day, did you go to the nurse's office or were you just able to go into a bathroom? I know a lot of people with issues down there wind up going and using like the nurse's office and to change and kind of keep Mm -hmm. it a little bit more private. Yeah. So my schools didn't have nurses, which is interesting. (laughs) Thinking back on that, I'm like, that is really weird. But my like elementary school, I would just like go into the regular bathroom and change. I had like a little like makeup bag, I guess. And I, I still do like that. I keep my supplies in. And then I also, there was like a adult or teacher's restroom that was like kind of far down the hall that they like allowed me to use. And like they knew about it because my mom was a teacher there for a little bit. So she was like, yeah, she can use that restroom if she needs to. And then middle and high school, most of the restrooms at our school were either like, were obviously single stall or they were just like one person. Like it wasn't like a regular restroom and there was like a fully closed door. So I would just like do that on my own and I had permission to leave class whenever I needed to. We just kind of had like an agreement with all the teachers. 
like like you know the beginning of the year meeting (laughs) you're like hey I have this condition I can go to the bathroom whenever I need to or I can you know go up and take a walk or go and get water whenever I need to but yeah I, I never went to the nurse's office so what what types of things are you still dealing with today then? Obviously you have the off. you go roughly every four hours and, or when you feel it, is there anything else mm-hmm. that you do? Are you in, on any medications at all? Do you, you know, go in and have an ultrasound done every year? Things like that. Yeah. So I do have an ultrasound every year after my surgery in 2020, they wanted to do it every six months. So I did six months ultrasound and then now I'm at a year. And I do blood work pretty much every year. I just had my appointment in June of this year. So I did blood work, ultrasound um, for like my kidneys and my bladder. I'm not on any medication right now. I do have to like irrigate my bladder pretty frequently. I do it three times a week just to like keep the mucus down because my bladder is made out of intestines. So that produces a lot of mucus. I know some people do it like every day or some people don't do it at all. (laughs) But I do it three times a week. What is that? Can you explain to us what that entails? Yeah. So basically, like I empty my bladder, so I cath, and then I have a bunch of catheter tip syringes that I fill up with saline. I do five of them that are 60 milliliters. So that's 300. I think it's 300 milliliters. I'm pretty sure it's 300. And then I put them in my bladder (laughs) one by one. So I fill my bladder up. And then I like kind of like have to like move my body around just to like get it everywhere in my body. <laughs> like slosh it around. <laughs> you have to kind of like swish it around, <laughs> which is funny, but it works, you know, whatever works. And then you slowly pull it all out. And if there's any mucus, it, it comes out usually. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's, it was like weird at first doing it because it's like a really weird sensation, like putting liquid into your bladder. Like that's not a normal feeling at all. But once you get used to it, it's like totally fine because now I do it three times a week and it's just like, oh, yep, time to irrigate. Got to do it. And it's kind of a pain sometimes because it takes like 20 minutes to like clean the syringes, wash them out, fill them up with saline, cath, do it, and then like, you know, clean them again. But yeah, that's like the only like, I guess like time consuming part of like my routine because like cathings don't take that long and, you know, drinking water, whatever, I don't take any medication. But yeah, just and you're pretty religious week. about like, okay, do it Friday, Monday, <laughs> Wednesdays, or, you know, yeah. Yep. That's good. Yep. Yep. I definitely like, sometimes I'm like, I'm I, like, I have like a long day and I'm like, I really don't want to do it today. And then my mom's like, you should do it. Like, just get it over with. I'm like, yeah. And then sometimes I'll just wait till the next day. Like I'll do like the next morning or just the next day. Cause I'm like one more day, whatever, you know, and I haven't had any infections or anything since my surgery either so like nothing happens (laughs) yeah I'm I can't believe it I shouldn't say that but like (laughs) yeah it's kind of crazy have you ever had any like blockages in your metrophenoff um when I was right after I came out of the hospital and I like still had like my tubes in they would like one of them would block and the other would block but like since that not really. So you've never I mean, had trouble like remember, getting the catheter in. Like maybe once or twice. That, and that was like initially right after gotcha. surgery when it's like pretty new. It's actually funny. One of my doctors, we were like still here in Salt Lake. We we're in the hotel and I couldn't get my catheter in. And he was like, Can I just, he's like, called us. He was like, Can I just come to your hotel room and I'll have like a bag of catheters? I'll just like put it in for you. We were like, Okay. Um, and it was like the sweetest thing. He came to our hotel room, put the catheter in, and I was like, Fine. 
which was so sweet. <laughs> but no, no blockages. I've gotten like a good amount of mucus sometimes. I'm like, oh, well, that feels better now that it's like out. But I like try and drink a lot of water. And I notice when I like have a lot of dairy or like bread, sometimes that can just like create more mucus in the coming, you know, days, weeks. But like recently in the past six months, I haven't had really much of any mucus. There's like different types. There's like the really like yellow gross stuff that does get clogged. And you can be really weird. Yeah. And there's like the like the stringy, like white stuff that's like pretty normal, which is what I've just been getting out and it's not that much. So that's good. But gotcha. Have you ever had like mucus coming out the top of the trough knoff and like staining your clothes at all? Yeah. Yeah. I I've heard it's pretty yeah. normal because apparently the channel like creates mucus on its own. It's like not actually from your bladder, it's just the yeah. appendix channel. So it's made out of appendix. And, like, every so often, like, I'll, like, go to, like, Kath and, like, there's, like, this little, like, sticky stuff. You just kind of, like, wipe it off. And the first time that happened, I was, like, yeah. is it leaking? <laughs> like, that's not normal for it to leak. But he was, like, no, no, it's just, like, it's just, like, a little bit of mucus from the channel. Like, if it gets, like, a lot, then that's, you know, not good. But, like, if it's just a little bit, yeah. it's fine. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I had that problem, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah? Did you, you, do you have a much right now? Or? I had one... For like, how long is that? Like seven years, I guess. When I was 11, so I was 18, I had one. Oh, wow. But yeah, I remember one of the main reasons why I wanted it removed. I was like, I'm so tired of the mucus getting all over my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. that's a valid point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it usually just gets like, like my shorts. If like I wear like something high-waisted, like there's like usually like a little spot and it's just kind of just there. But like nothing, nothing bad. And I haven't had any like yeah. leakage otherwise, like through my metrophina or through my urethra, which is really nice yeah. and just closed off. That's um, great. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you up to now then? You said you're in college? Yes, I am in college. I graduated, I was in class of 2021. So it's technically my second year in college. I went to University of California, Davis for a semester, which is still during COVID. So it was weird. And then I took a semester off and like came home and worked. And then now I'm back at college. I'm at the University of Utah. So back in Salt Lake City, close to my doctors, which is awesome. Just hanging out. I'm studying environmental science. So super excited about that. I kind of want to go into like land conservation and work with like the park service. Definitely want to be outside. That's kind of like my calling. Yeah, just hanging out, enjoying life, enjoying college life, and hopefully continue to do well with all my surgeries and, you know, hopefully no more surgeries, but, and doctor's appointments and everything. That's but, yeah. great. That's awesome. And so you don't have anything right now that's, that you feel is holding you back at all from living life to your fullest. No, I feel like I'm, I'm doing really well. And I've, I'm also seeing like, I don't know, you call her, I guess she's, she's a gynecologist, but she works with pediatrics and adolescents which is kind of like a transitional gynecologist I guess you would say and she's been really great with like helping with those issues because when I went in for my metrophenac procedure she went in and like did like an exam and then she also suspended my uterus so that like I don't have any prolapse if I do have kids or just as I get older which is nice and she's been like working with me to do like dilation and like make sure everything's going well like with fertility and everything that's like my only like ongoing Thing I'm like keeping a tab on because I definitely want to get like a consult for having my eggs harvested because I've heard that's like a really popular thing to do and a good thing to do 
especially for, you know, BE women, because you don't never know about fertility. That's like the only like ongoing thing though, that I'm kind of dealing with besides just having the, you know, and yeah. whatever. <laughs> Have you had it affect having relationships at all? Not really. I really haven't dated anybody since high school. And I just never had those relationships while I was in high school. And then now that I'm in college and I had my Petrofenoff procedure, like I feel more comfortable with that. And I think just like still going through like dilation and like having those appointments has like helped me become more comfortable in dealing with those kinds of things. So I think, I think like I'm definitely more confident than I was before my Petrofenoff procedure. Yeah. Dry, so yeah. That's, That's really good. Nice. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what else to ask here. You just kind of <laughs> breezed right through all my questions. <laughs> yeah. No, I had, I had like a bunch of notes on my phone. I was like, I need to like get through all these things, <laughs> but I mean, I guess I could like talk about like youth rally and stuff. I know Lily was on here. She talked yeah. a little bit about it. Um, but I would like love to touch on that because that was like a huge well, we went to best also. Me, like, want to talk about that yeah yeah so I went to best where did I start going to best backtracking a little bit I my mom found this camp out it's not it wasn't best it was like a affiliated with like ABC I think so she but the association blood actually community through Seattle Children's so we went when I was five and it was just like this weird campground in like the middle of Washington it was like a really weird experience it was fun though I don't really remember much of it and I think that's where we met Rebecca and Kylie. And so Kylie's, I don't know, she's 23. So she's a couple years older than me. So I met her at that camp out. And then they told us about best. And then we went to best, I think when I was 10 or 11. So a couple years after that. And then I've been going since then. So like eight years, nine years, I've been going to best. So I've known Kylie for a long time, like everybody who goes there. And I love it so much. It's like the highlight of my summer. It's so much fun. I love talking to like all of the parents with little BE kids. And, you know, obviously people that are my age that have BE and the doctors too are great. But yeah, it's it's been such a great resource for me and my parents too, like hearing stories and like getting information about different topics and just being around people that like get it is like the best feeling in the world. Awesome. What, what types of things yeah. do you guys do at the campouts? So we, so we gather in Lake Tahoe. So we all like get to camp or some people, you know, stay in RVs or stay in hotels or whatever. We have like the first day is kind of just like getting to know everybody. We have a couple of speakers that come this last year in, you know, in the summer and in August we had, let's see. We had like a video conference with somebody who was talking about transitional urology from adolescent to adult care. We had a therapist come and a psychologist, I believe. And then we also had a urologist come and they basically just do like a bunch of talks on either procedures or just new developments in blood atrophy, or we hold Q and A sessions for the parents and for the kids. I was part of the adult blood atrophy panel. So it was me. And all the other adults that had BE were there and we got to answer questions from the parents or from other kids or doctors, whatever. And then we just kind of like hang out and like just talk with each other and camp and play games and roast s'mores, go to the lake. It's just a really fun weekend just kind of to relax, but also like get information and just be with those people. It's only, it's only once a year, you know, I feel like it's 
it's nice to to have yeah. that connection. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I know I've talked yeah. about it in other episodes with other people, but I mean, just there are a lot of us if you gather into one spot, but we're all so spread out. You mm-hmm. can feel pretty alone. So having an event like that to bring you together, yeah. super helpful. It's amazing. And I know some people like haven't met or didn't meet anybody with blood atrophy until they were much older. And I feel really lucky that I was able to meet people when I was really young, when I was, you know, five and then really got to know people when I was like 10, 11. So I, you know, grew up with these people. Then I can kind of like look back and be like, oh yeah, like I learned this from Kylie when I was this age and like looking to people when they're older to see what my life is going to be like or what surgeries I can have is really valuable. Yeah. Gives you an idea of what your life will look like. Yeah, exactly. And just like the questions to ask, you're like, wow, what happens if this happens or whatever? And same with youth rally too. Like that's kind of the same, but youth rally is awesome too. Do you have any other stories that you have written down in your notes over there that you want to talk about? Um, Let's see. I, I really think that's it. Yeah, I kind of breezed through my my story, but that, I mean, I just haven't had that many surgeries since I went through a time of you know not Which having so any. Nice though, yeah, for the longest time You're I don't. So lucky have. to have that period know, of so like weird. just calm, especially yeah. in like that's the main years that you're growing too. Yeah, I know. I think back on that, I'm like, wow, that really was just like peaceful time. When I talked to so many other people that are like they were having a lot of surgeries during that time or they were always in the hospital or always having infections. And I'm sure you've experienced the same thing. But for the longest time, I was like, yeah, I've only had three surgeries. And then I would like go to like best camp or when I went to youth rally for the first time, they're like, you only had three, three surgeries. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, three. And then now it's bumped up to six. So I'm like, okay, well, six is like a good amount. Like, I don't need any more, but like, I feel like it's like an acceptable amount. <laughs> like some people have had like 20 or, you know, 40. But I feel like six, six is a good number. <laughs> Preferably not any more than that, but now you fit in. <laughs> yeah, but you never know. <laughs> I've heard that like, I mean, you probably heard this too, but like having a metropolitan for just having BE is just like a constant, like, you never know. Like you could have a surgery next year. You could have mm-hmm. a surgery next month. Um, it's just like, and I always tell them like, well, I have six right now. And they're like, right now I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, I never know when my next one will be or if I will have Absolutely. Next one, I mean, that's why is- we have the ultrasounds and the blood work done every year, like clockwork. I mean, it's to keep an eye mm-hmm. on stuff because something goes haywire, you're probably going to need another surgery. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm not, I'm not ready for that. I don't need any more complications yeah. in my life. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. That was super fun. And I, I love to listen to your podcast too. I just listened to the one with Cam and it was so interesting. Yeah, I have the second half coming out on Monday. So. Okay. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. Hers yeah we talked a while, <laughs> but all right. Okay, well, thank okay. you. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Body Talk with Bex. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts at. 
don't forget to hit subscribe. Also consider becoming a patron on patreon.com. If you would like to share your story or know someone who does, I can be contacted through my website, www.bodytalkwithbex.com or on social media. Thanks for listening.